This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, they took it! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. It is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show here from the star in Frisco in the SWBC Mortgage Studios. It's the final episode of the 2021 draft season, and we are glad you're with us here on DallasCowboys.com, streaming coast-to-coast and around the world. We've got Bucky Brooks. We've got Brian Broaddus and the great Kevin KT Turner. I'm Kyle Yeomans with you for one final time here on the draft show. And, Brian, we we got to talk with you on Tuesday. On Tuesday, we did all the sappy goodbyes and everything, and then we turn around and Jeff's not able to make it, Dane's not able to make it, and and you're able to come again. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get another hour with you, but let's start with Bucky Brooks because somebody's pretty happy the Cowboys got a linebacker, and he hasn't had a chance to talk about it just yet as I see the smile down in that bottom right-hand corner. Bucky, what were your overall thoughts of the NFL draft? Well, I think I think in the Cowboys' case, I think the Cowboys got the best defender on the board when they were able to get Michael Parsons. I know there's a lot of conversation about J.C. Horn and Pat Sertan, and you know we kind of mocked those guys there for the longest time. But I think when you look at the value over the long haul, Michael Parsons is going to be a more impactful player than the corners would have been, particularly in this defense. And when you hear Dan Quinn talk about three, four. Uh, looking defense that's a hybrid and pick, kind of moving the pieces around the chessboard. Michael Parsons gives him the opportunity to do a bunch of different things. And so um, I'm excited about it, but I'm more excited about the fact that they doubled down and got Jabril Cox to come back. Uh, for so long, we talked about the lack of speed and athleticism at the second level, particularly as it relates to Jalen Smith being able to play these high-end offenses. You need to have speed on the field. They are a much faster and explosive and more athletic defense. And I think when you put those elements on the field, that's when the turnovers begin to happen. KT, what do you what did yeah, you, no, I, you think about it? No, I couldn't agree more with Bucky and, and the fact that they were able to squeeze out another, you know, day two pick out of it, it makes it a little bit more sweeter. And the bottom line is I think the world's a little crazy when it comes to communication sometimes. And I know that being a fan also means being a fanatic and the definition of that is a little crazy sometimes too. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line, and we talked about this for, for months, there were about 13 really, really good players worthy going in the top 13. Um, and, and, and yes, that is a, a shot at Mac Jones. I'm, I'll say it. But there were 13 guys who were worthy of going top 13, and they were going to get one of those guys unless they traded back to 20 with the Bears or something like that. So they got that guy. Um, just because one of us might have said I would have taken Slater over Parsons, it might have been me, it might have been someone else. Just because you might do that doesn't matter. They were going to get, and we talked about this uh, with Bucky a, a few weeks ago, about being stingy with your first-round grades. Making sure if they're, you put a first-round grade on them, that we're not just allowing people to walk in and watch their tape, and just because they do a few things right, they get a first-round grade, being stingy. There was a cutoff line, and Micah Parsons was definitely a clear first-round grade. And when you're picking up there, you get a good player. There there will be multiple times this year 
where we are talking about a Cowboy game when it's over, and we go, man, I just don't know what that game would have been like if we didn't have Micah Parsons. He will be your best defensive player multiple times this season. And I think that's what kind of gets lost in the sauce when you're doing the draft and talking about the could-haves, should-haves, and things like that. I'm, I admit, I would have taken Slater over Parsons and then, you know, just looking at the depth of other positions, kind of attack the draft from there. But I'm happy with what they got with their first two picks. I really am. Brian? You know, after listening to Dan Quinn talk post-draft, and I'm going to admit that I had some violence in my voice during the during the draft about some of the way that these picks came off. And, you know, I was like, okay, I don't see this fit. I don't see this fit. And, and I was kind of wondering, what direction are they going in here? And But to me, once you listen to Dan Quinn talk about where he wanted to go and where he envisioned these players and where he envisions his defense being, it does make a lot of sense. I'll tell you another encouraging thing, just a humble brag. Uh, uh, yesterday we got to talk to Will McClay on our station on 105.3. And the, the thing that Will was talking about, he's like, listen, Dan Quinn and I went on the road together. And that made me feel good in a way of it. Okay, it's just not Dan Quinn going out there and hitting all these schools and I'm going to do this, I'm going to run roughshod over the, the scouting staff. No, him and Will McClay were out there. And to Will's credit, he learned what Dan Quinn was looking for in these players. And I, I think that, would, to me, I, that, now I have a better understanding of why they took the players they did. And, you know, the thing with the Parsons pick, I, you know, I'm with KT. I, I, I love Slater. I, I thought that would have been an outstanding pick there. But, again, listening to where they were or where they were trying to get to makes a whole lot of sense by the way the draft that they had. Brian, I'm glad you brought that hey, up. Hey, Brian. Because, I, uh, go for it, Bucky. No, I, I think I may be going where you're going, yeah, probably. Uh, Cal, because I, I think one thing that is, is, is underlooked in the process is fit in scheme when we're evaluating prospects, being able to understand clearly how this prospect fits and the desired scheme of the coordinator. And the fact that Will McClay and Dan Quinn were on the road together having those conversations, not only at workouts, but you would like to think away from workouts where they're really trying to get into each other's head to know exactly what you want. I think you now have a better opportunity of acquiring players that fit the vision of what Dan Quinn wants. And I think the Michael Parsons pick is interesting because there are a few different things. Like people have made the point when I talk to people in Seattle, like, Hey, if you go back and look at Bobby Wagner at Utah State, Bobby Wagner played Sam linebacker before they moved him to Mike linebacker mm -hmm. with the Seattle Seahawks. And I do wonder, for Michael Parsons, you have Jalen Smith and LVE there. So maybe Michael Parsons doesn't play inside. Maybe he plays outside on the edges the first year or so, and they try and maximize his value as a rusher and a blitzer in a unique fashion before maybe he kicks inside down the line. I just think there's a lot of versatility um, that he brings, and maybe that was kind of the driving force behind the pick. And Brian, that was one of the things in your conversation with Will McClay. By the way, fantastic interview with you guys on the fan the other day. But just 
In the past here in, in Dallas, I mean, the disconnect between the coaches and the scouts have been what scares everyone around the draft process. I mean, that's been the biggest thing for me is looking at it and saying, if there's a disconnect between the scouts and the coaches, you're not necessarily going to ever have the right fit. And, and the fact that you, you did hear Will McClay talk about how Dan Quinn is traveling, hitting the road with Will McClay, and these scouts and these coaches are in succession with each other. That makes me feel a lot better about this because if this pick was made three years ago or four years ago with either Micah Parsons or even the Nashawn Wright pick that was at 99, I wouldn't feel as good about it because I feel like this staff and I feel like this structure with this front office is a lot more in sync than it has been in previous years. If it, and I, I could be wrong, but that's what it seems like from the outside, Brian. Yeah, what the, the situation is, and, and, and Bucky has experienced this firsthand, and, and I would give anything in the world for KT to to be a part of a team and get to feel the, the feelings that we've had during draft processes like Bucky and I have had. I had a scout tell me that there's been times where when the scouts get their way, that's not always a good thing. Mm-hmm. And he said it in a way of like, listen, you could bring players in, and if these coaches don't want to coach them or they don't like them, they're not going to play them. They're not going to coach them. They're not going to do anything to help the player develop. And he goes, now where you're at? Your scouts, you're happy. Yeah, we got our guys. But then all of a sudden, you got a coaching staff that are like, man, they're putting us with players that can't play. So, yeah, I, I think that there's some times where you need, to, you need to have that coach influence. You need the coaches to... Uh, to have a say. Uh, do you want them to have all the say? No, but you talked about marriage between the two, and I think it was very, very important because, again, talking to scouts there, Dan Quinn came in with a clear idea what he wanted to do, and he was able to convey that message to the scouts, and that's how you have an understanding, and that's how you, you come to an agreement of what type of player you really need. And it's no change. We've seen you know coaches uh, get their uh, you know fair share of picks over the years, and it's worked out sometimes, and sometimes it hasn't. And scouts have missed. That happens. It kind of reminds me like the dynamic at Saturday Night Live. Like if a host comes in and he's kind of just a jerk to everyone, and he's too good for everyone. The writers are like, yeah, I don't want to write for this guy, and the cast is like, I don't want to write for this guy. It's kind of that type of thing, maybe. But you know, when I when I look at what they did as a whole, I, I can't help but feel like there's pretty even trade off. Um, especially in a year where things are, are, are a little bit differently. I, like there, there wasn't really a point in the draft. Well, there was maybe one point in the draft where I went, okay, that's a clear, uh, that's a clear maybe a, maybe a Dan Quinn pick, clearly. And maybe maybe more, a lot of them were. Like there were years where we would go, that is a Rod Marinelli pick. He got the pick. And you kind of know that because he's sitting in uh, the Joneses' lap while they're about to call the player, like he's in the room ready to go. And you can like see it happening. Um, you know, if, if you want to do something and make a big change, though, and I don't think it's like a huge change. I mean, last year's defense was, was embarrassing, and they'd be the first to tell you that. But what they're doing, they're not reinventing the will with this, with this scheme. And I think they had a plan, and I think they executed their plan throughout the three days of the draft. And that's what I kind of look at more than anything is like, what did we get done? We got done what we wanted to get done. And it doesn't matter what, you know, Dave Brugler thinks of it. And it doesn't matter – well, what Dave Hellman thinks about it. Like, that doesn't matter. We executed our plan. And as long as you're doing that and, and, like, sticking to your board, I tend to not have a problem with what a team does because you truly don't know how it works out until, you know, 2025. You know, one of the things – You know, when I think – Go of, for it, Bucky. 
no, no, no. One, one of the things when you talk about like our guys, because there was a lot of um, outrage or criticism about like the day two picks, Nishan Wright in particular. And there was a lot of conversation about, hey, everything is about length and those things. Why is arm length so, so important to the defense? I think it's important to let everyone know when you're a Dan Quinn defense and you're a defense that plays zone, the reason why you want length is because long players make it tighter windows and so yeah. when they're playing yeah. and reading the eyes of the quarterback like when you have these long athletes the windows become smaller because they're playing vision on the quarterback they're there they're reacting and it's intimidating to a quarterback to see all of that length on the field it's almost like um, a team of six seven guys playing a two three zone like it's just so long the zone expands and it really makes it pushes you way out beyond the three-point line and so I think that is really important to, to let everyone know the reason why length is so important because this is really a zone defense and you want to make the windows tighter. Yeah, I think Bucky Bucky's dead on. I mean, I had a scout explain that to me, and they clearly they had a third round grade on right. You know, they they were they, they were comfortable taking him at that spot. I know that you know to me, if you're going to talk about length and big guys and long guys, Melifonwu was on the board, and that's the guy. I mean, but again. They don't care what we think. It's what they think. And but but Bucky totally nailed it right there. I had a scout explain. Listen, when a quarterback goes back there and he doesn't see window and all he sees is color and jersey and things you know uh, clouding his vision, that's tough on him. And maybe he has to go somewhere else. So once you explain things like that when you're affecting the windows of quarterbacks, it, it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. And, and real, real quick, I just want to say this because I think having like a hardcore opinion on Nishan Wright without watching him is like a terrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people is. did that. It is. Um, it is. And mm-hmm. then you go watch yeah. him and you go, okay, my issues with Nishan Wright were I just didn't think he turned very well. And a lot, a lot of those tall corners, it's very tough for them to do that. I didn't think he turned very well. His play demeanor was awesome. He's yeah. awesome. He wants to get his hands on you. He wants to rough you up a little bit. My problem with all of that – and I, I, they had him graded a little higher than I did. I was more kind of round five type, you know, day three type. I had him. I had him in the fifth. I had him in the fifth myself. When I went back and evaluated him, I couldn't put him over Melifonwu and Thomas from Michigan. You can say mm-hmm. what you want about uh, Molden at Washington. He was not going to be in the mix unless it was going to go safety. But I just couldn't. I tried to elevate him over those guys that were taken after him, and and I, I me personally, I couldn't do it. Well, that's sort of you know, my I problem think... comes – real, real quick, Bucky. My problem comes from McCarthy, and maybe it doesn't matter what Mike McCarthy says. Maybe it doesn't. But a, a week ago, talking about how they want to get aggressive and they want to play a lot of man defense. And I'm like, okay, well, you're doing the complete ops. Like, Sean Wright can play man, I guess, a little bit. But, like, he is a better, as you just said, Bucky, better fit for his zone scheme, mm-hmm. playing a ton of zone. And you got the head coach a week ago go, we want to play more man than zone. And I just – you st- I start having all these things like how congruent is everything? Wow. What's the symmetry Man. with everything? And, and, and that was the problem last year. Has is everyone on the same page here? And I just I, I can't help but ask those questions. I, I'll tell um, you what, KT. I real quick, Bucky. I I I thought he was a better man than he was zone. I, I'm opposite of what that was. Just watching him play because I felt like the more he got up on people, the better chance he had to stay with them. It's like you talked about. I saw what you're saying about when he's off, the movement wasn't what it needed mm-hmm. to be. 
because he would have to collision receivers down the field with, on the release just to get himself in position. There were a couple of times in some games where he was flagged for that. So I thought, walk him up, let him jam, let him hold. For a 187-pound guy, he was pretty strong along the line of scrimmage to kind of yeah. hold those guys up. Um, I, th- I think a couple things, and like, and I think both you guys are right. For one, I will say this: there are a lot of coaches in our league, even offensive coaches, that don't fully understand like coverage and coverage principles. <laughs> and sometimes it comes out when when they talk, like even the best, like they 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 don't get it. When you look at this defense, this defense is just like when Chris Richard came in or whatever. They will talk about cover three, but this is really. Like, the two guys on the outside are in man coverage. Mm-hmm. The nine right. guys on the inside are playing zone. And based right. on patterns and concepts or whatever, it will change. But the interior guys, like the safety and the three linebackers, they're spot dropping to designated areas on the field. Their eyes are on the quarterback. And they are C-ball, get-ball defenders. The corners on the outside, when they're one-on-one, they're locked up. When it's two receivers to the side, they're going to bail and play zone. And so... You will rarely see them play off and backpedal. I think the best way to think about Wright and these other guys, even Trayvon Diggs, imagine in your head, like they may not play to this level, Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman. Long guys that are playing off and those things. And for Wright, Brandon Browner is the more apt comparison because what Brandon Browner is going to do on the edge is he's going to hug and mug and grab and clutch, and they're going to establish that style of play. And they're going to say officials will not call this all game. And we're going to wear them down by clutching and grabbing and disrupting the rhythm. And it's very frustrating, but that's how they're going to play. And if Dan Quinn is true to how they taught it, that is how it was taught in Pete Carroll's defense. And so I think we're going to see that. And we have to be ready for some of those growing pains early until they settle in. Yeah, that's why they liked Horn. That's why they liked J.C. Horn to play that style. Yeah, because he's probably a better – he's a – I would say a better fit in terms of, hey, man, we're going to go nose to nose. This is going to be a, a, a backyard brawl out here for 70 snaps. And, yeah, there's going to be some flags and all that, but we're going to establish our play. The other thing you talked about, Wright's playing demeanor. I think one commonality between all of these guys, Parsons, Cox, Wright, uh, Golston, all of these Joseph. dudes have an edge to them that is, Joseph, that is a little different. And... I always talk about it, and hopefully this doesn't get misconstrued, but like, if you want a great defense, you got to have a, a team full of goons, but you got to have the right zookeeper that is the D coordinator, meaning he can't be afraid of those personalities and those guys that are on the edge because the greatest defenses, I'm sure Brian can attest to it, you got to have a couple guys that have a couple of screws loose that you got to rein them back in. It is harder, it is easier to rein them back in than to stick the poker in them and be like, hey, let's go play hard. And so I like the personality. Now is does Dan Quinn have the personality to control all those guys to get them to not play silly football, but to play at the line but not go over the line? Yeah, there's times, Bucky, you're right. I've seen, like, from series to series, I've seen players want to fight the defensive coordinator and the next series give him a hug. I mean, that's, that's how crazy it gets down there sometimes. KT, do you think Dan Quinn is the right guy for that job? Because everything that Bucky's saying right now, everything Brian's saying right now, it, it gets me excited thinking about the way that these prospects are going to fit into the defense. But ultimately, like Bucky just said, you need that leader. You need that that voice on the sideline that can rein in those personalities. Do you think Quinn can do that? 
I mean, I think so, and I would imagine that he's got you know a, a ton of respect. I mean, I think these players probably know his accolades and things like that. You know, the thing I would say is like, you know, it's really going to come down to how the players play and do they buy into any changes. It was very frustrating to me that players were making comments in the first month last year of not really <laughs> buying into the to the scheme, but also. It's probably very frustrating to those players that maybe they weren't being coached in a way that was, you know, it might have been a little offensive to them how they were being coached. There have been maybe like we've got some, uh, you know, some guys up here who don't know what they're doing really. So, you know, it's hard to know because you haven't been around. I mean, that was the first time we'd heard from Dan Quinn. First time we can get to talk oh, yeah. to him, and that's kind of yeah. that's kind of wild. It's a little different. So, I kind of going off that. And one thing I'll say is like, it is good to have a plan because last year. It was very, okay, here's McCarthy, here's Mike Nolan, bit of a change, we're going to be multiple, but they were never specific in how they talked, and they were never specific in really how they acted about personnel and things like that. They're very specific about what they want now. They want length, you know, they're looking for bigger guys, they're not as, not scared to, uh, you know, bring in some guys who, you know, I, I hate to say it, questions. Micah Parsons and, Kel- and Kelvin Joseph can play. Mm-hmm. Turn on the tape, yeah. they can mm-hmm. play. So figure it out. I have more of an issue with the guy you take in the fifth round, the offensive tackle. Like, maybe let's sure. draft another guy. Like, <laughs> it don't talk to me about second chances with that guy. Like, that guy's on chance 13. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm good. Just pick another guy. Like, I, I have more yeah. of an issue with that pick than any of these other guys and, and coming up with stuff about, you know, who they are. Let's let them go play and see what happens. Well, think I'll about what's ha- Oh, like right, right. before 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 it changes, the most important coach on the defensive staff is Joe Witt Jr. Hmm. Joe yeah. Witt Jr. has to do two things for this defense to click. He has to get the young guys on the same page when it comes to communication and technique. And then the second thing is he has to fix the things that Dan Quinn may not know when it comes to coverage adjustments. The secondary coach for Dan Quinn is the most important part because Dan Quinn right. is coming as a defensive coordinator in general. The hardest thing to do is to go from being a D-line coach to being a coordinator because you're so close to being in the trenches that you may not have that full field perspective to fix it. And so the secondary coach becomes critically important to a guy like that. It's no different than Rod Marinelli having to have like Chris Richard or anybody else that comes from being right at the line of scrimmage. It is hard for those guys to understand the full field view of how the defense should come together. Yeah, but let's think about this. Uh, let's think about what this defense has gone through though the last several years. How many different coordinators they've had? Mm-hmm. Rod Marinelli, Chris Richard, Mike Nolan. Now they have a new guy. If you're sitting there in that defensive room, you're going, "When are they going to get this right? Mm-hmm. When, when yeah. is when is somebody going to come in here? You know?" And yeah, and let's let's be honest. It, Jane Slater's report on the NFL Network was talking about the players and not getting it and not understanding. And you know, I I've said this all along. Pandemic plan as far as handling the health of the team, a plus. Teaching the team during pandemic plan, F. <laughs> Awful. So, F. Awful. So, to me, that's the problem. As a player, you're like, well, what, what other guy are they going to bring in here? What other guy, we, what other thing are mm-hmm. we, you know, oh, Mike, uh, Jim Tom Sulu, oh, he's gone now. Oh, this guy's gone. You know, if you're a defensive player, you're like, what are you buying into? You're, you're like... Heck, they're throw, they're grabbing at straws and they're trying to you know you're thinking how am I going to play every time? But to me, this one does feel right. This is the one that does feel right, and 
Hopefully for Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Cowboy fans, it is. Because KT said it earlier, historically this was an awful defense. And I think a lot of it had to do with the way they got the team ready to play. Yes. 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 <laughs> well said. All of that matters. And I was in the pandemic. Like, and look, Mike, Mike Nolan is a friend, but I would say he skews to the level of complexity. And I yep. think the first thing that a teacher has to know is he has to know the students. And I would say that the defense that they were attempting to put in went over the heads of the students that were in the chairs. I and agree. So sometimes it's better to be uh, a team that plays like little toy soldiers on the field <laughs> where everyone knows where to line up so they can just play fast and just go to the ball. And so I think we'll see more of that. Let's disguise. Hey, let's just line up and make sure we know exactly what to do. Then just go play hard and knock the ball out. Well said from all three of you guys throughout the segment. I mean, explaining this defense is probably not going to be easy to the common person. But Dan Quinn's going to have to try and do that to a lot of these professional athletes on that side of the football. Hopefully he is the right guy moving forward. When we come back here on the draft show, time for some Twitter on the 20. We're going to get uh, Bucky's opinion on that linebacker pick and maybe get to clear the air a little bit thanks to a Twitter question. We're going to talk about that when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Something happens when we can't be our true selves. You can hear it in our laughs. There's the half-hearted chuckle. (laughs) The courtesy conference caller. (laughs) Yeah, great. And of course, the I'm only laughing because I'm dating your daughter. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. If you want to laugh for real... Try having some Miller Light with some friends. It works. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin Beer. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting Cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com Cowboys. Hey, Cowboy fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience the best sports venue in the world, AT&T Stadium. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your package today. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here with the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, the final episode of the season. <clears throat> Gentlemen, did you know that going, or if you include all three days of our draft coverage, this would be episode number 47 of the Draft Show since when we started this thing back in December. I mean, back and forth, 47 draft shows. Pretty crazy to think about, but... 
47 draft shows. We've also had close to about 40 Twitters on the 20. Time for the final Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. There it is. Chris Beam in the back doing fantastic work. All right, Bucky. Get your Dukes up. Ready to fight hey, here for a little bit. Kyle, real quick. Go for it, Brian. Kyle, real quick. Yeah, real quick. It's kind of Bucky's kind of like we played like the Brooklyn Nets. You know, like all of the really the teams kind of been together, but Bucky's been like Kevin Durant, you know, been in and out of the lineup and stuff like that. So you really can't give him credit for all 47. It's true. He's Kevin Durant. He's a big-time player. Load management. The rest of us are doing our job. Bucky's come in and out of the lineup, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be fresh for the finals. You won't be fresh for the finals. Broadus is Dirk. He's the one that's been ready and available no matter yeah. what. KT's JJ Barea. I just throw off the sweats and we go play. Bucky's like Kevin Durant. We have him some days. High we don't have him other High maintenance now. High maintenance. Like a lot of, lot of work, a lot of PT work, a lot of, lot of extra work to get me ready. Oh, man. I love it. All right, Bucky, we're going we're gonna to throw this one right at you. The, Mr. Snappy Comeback followed up one of my tweets. Uh. And he said, at Bucky Brooks, tagging you specifically, he said, three months ago, you absolutely trashed Parsons. Basically said, I don't want to complete that sentence, but now you're very happy about the pick. I want you to clear the air on this because I don't think you never just smashed Parsons as a player. It was more of just you had more concerns for him specifically than you did maybe some of the other players that could have been available. Yeah, so I think it's important for what, what's his what's his handle, uh, uh, his Twitter handle, Mr. So Snappy Comeback, is his name. Yeah, see okay, that's Mrs. that's where Mrs. that's where we need to start. By the way, <laughs> feel free if you want to rip if you want to if you want to rip my ass about something, <laughs> give me your name. That way, you and I can have a real conversation. You know, if you yeah. want to be that guy or gal, and you want to come at me, spell my name right. Number one <laughs> and number two. Give me your name so I can have a good dialogue with you, Mr. Snappy Comeback Guy or Gal. Uh, look, so Miss Mr. Snappy Comeback. So or Mrs. Uh, I think Snappy Comeback Guy or whatever. Whatever. I think it's important to be able to separate the person from the player. I never trashed the player. I've always loved the player. I think the player was the best defender in in the draft. Like his ability to get from A to B in a hurry to create disruption as a blitzer, his unique skill set in terms of his combination of athleticism, speed, explosive power, all of that I loved. Rated all the chart off the charts. Blue chip player. My issue, my main concern, had to deal with the character, the football character, meaning are you going to get someone that's mature enough to handle the responsibilities of being the leader of America's team? There is a big stage that comes with being the guy that is not only the topic, but the guy that's expected to be the leader of this defense with all eyes on it. And playing in this city with all of the glitz and glam, it takes a level of maturity that you have to have. When I crushed Micah, I worried about the ego and the maturity in terms of being able to handle the responsibilities. The other stuff that has come out about the character, that stuff is that stuff. So my concern was, can he handle the responsibilities of being on a big stage with all of the responsibilities and the eyeballs on him? That still remains to be seen. On the field, there's no doubt that he could be one of the best players to put the star on. But 
we have to see can he handle those responsibilities. And when you look at this defense that has had some issues when it comes to players playing hard and doing all the other stuff or whatever, you just got to make sure that you're bringing the right guy into the locker room and he falls in line with the culture that you're trying to establish. We'll see. Love the player. Let's see if the player's football character is up to the standard. And I think one thing is when we're talking about all of these players, you're trying to find out as much information as you can and things like that. So if something comes up, you know, with Micah Parsons, that came up inevitably. Uh, and, like, it would have came up with Josh Ball if we knew the Cowboys were going to draft Josh Ball. We just didn't talk about Josh Ball a lot on the draft show. You know, way different. Let's separate those things, right? You know, and I think like there's there's questions about Kelvin Joseph too that could be that could be discussed. Um, and it's more about like you know, the scouts have to ask these questions. How much do they love football? How much do they want to be there? Ask the question about Jalen Phillips. Everyone thinks Jalen Phillips is a really good kid. You're asking that question about his concussions. They're asking questions about his music passion. Those mm-hmm. teams are asking those questions. There's no doubt about it. They may maybe asking the same thing about Kelvin Joseph. I mean, why didn't it work out at LSU? What happened? Like, those are things you just have to talk about. We're talking about picking players. Um, I think it's important. Like when you talk about these players, they also have their whole lives in front of them too. And it's like if something happened, you know, you kind of have to look at it. And I don't like you know power ranking like things that might have happened, uh, or sometimes they're alleged things that happen. A lot of times we don't know the full details on them. I guarantee you, the team knows more about it than we do a lot of the times. You know, like I think it's very important, like to use a bunch of context when we're having these conversations, rather than rush out to something like Bucky killed a guy, like or not. I don't think Bucky killed a guy. I think Bucky brought up a concern teams might have about a player, mm-hmm. the same way teams might have concerns about Rashawn Slater's arm length. I mean, it's all it's all about pu- putting the puzzle together and trying to get a better look at the guy you're going to draft. I, I think that was but a good... But nuance is gone in this day and age, man. Nuance is, <laughs> nuance is gone in this day and age. It's a lot of like, yes, no, right, wrong, right, left, no, 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 no. Let's all kind of be rational with how we deal with stuff. I love it. And, and I think David Hellman was the one that said it previously on one of the shows, but just because you like another player doesn't mean you hate another player. I mean, you can like multiple players, and I think yeah. we're seeing that a lot with this draft because... I mean, truth be told, a lot of the guys that were picked were not necessarily on our radar, at least until we went into draft weekend we started hearing some murmurs. But it, it was really a draft that kind of caught us by surprise in some aspects. Doesn't mean we hate the players that were taken. We might be a little disappointed in that regard, but at the same time, it, it doesn't mean that they're bad players and, and that it was a bad draft overall. Okay, Stephen Thomas says, how do you compare the Cowboys draft with the other drafts in the NFC East. Also, how would it help that the Cowboys get into the playoffs past the divisional round if these players pan out and maybe if they are better than the rest of the NFC East? Brian, do you have any thoughts on how the division stuck out in terms of the draft? Stephen Thomas, I thank you for your question. I really do. Great question, and I appreciate you using your name. Uh, To me, I think the Philadelphia Eagles had the best draft as far as how, and I have only evaluated 190 players. Those are the guys I looked at. I ranked them from 1 to 190, how I would take them. And when I look overall at what the Philadelphia Eagles did, I, I was super impressed by the, the, the haul that they were able to have. 
you know, we talk about the Cowboys trading back with him, giving him Smith. Stephen Jones said it. You know, they were either the Giants were going to get Devonta Smith or the the Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. were. You know, earlier we'd heard, hey, Philadelphia was trying to go get Waddle. They, that, they, they'll say, no, we were trying to get Smith. But, no, I'd heard from reliable sources they were going for Waddle. They couldn't get him. They settled on Smith. Landon Dickerson is a, is a really good player. We'll see how the medical stuff uh, turns out. I really did like Milton Williams a lot. I, I don't know. I remember KT. I don't know if you were on board with Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. I know I was as that guy as an active tackle. Zach McPherson from Texas Tech. He was a transfer from Penn State. I really liked the player. Yeah, Kenneth Gainwell, The I mean, the, mm-hmm. the running back from Memphis. These Memphis running backs... You put them in the league, what do they do? They run hard and they catch the ball. They're kind of those complete backs. So to get a guy like that at 150, I thought was just super value right there. You know, even go down, uh, Marlon Tualopa, you know, the, 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 uh, the, I, I really liked him, the USC defensive tackle there. I mean, again, that's a guy at 189 that you're looking at and you're saying, whoa, how does that happen? Well, they got him right there at that spot. Jacoby Stevens, not so much. I've known him from LSU. But then Patrick Johnson is another guy they get. I mean, the two-lane defensive, and he could be a linebacker. He could be a rush in at 234. I mean, that's great value. So just on my board, the way they hit those picks – I was like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. And, you know, I thought they had a pretty good plan for how they handled that. I, I thought the Eagles had the best draft in the whole in the whole league, mm-hmm. quite honestly. I thought they nailed it. One thing I'll say real, real quick about Washington, because they're the, the division champs, kind of a um, up-and-down draft for them from for now. I think if that Benjamin St. Juiced uh, pick in yeah. three works out for them, yeah. if he turns yeah. out to be a player because all the traits are there, you're looking at a really good draft because I know Deami Brown can play. Deami Brown can play. Can play. He can play. Yeah. I know Jamin Davis can play, but you know, I, I thought Washington, you know, as a whole, I liked what they did late too. William Bradley King and Shaka Tony, a couple guys defensive end. I'm like, man, I'll bank on one of those guys to to work out as a rotational player. So I, I thought Washington's draft was okay, but uh, I would draft it Eagles, Cowboys, uh, Washington. Giants would be the order that I would put it in. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the Giants. I think the Giants, um, Dave Gettleman did something that he's never done. He traded back multiple times. Kadarius uh, Tony to me, is them finally addressing the mistake that they made when they traded away Odell Beckham Jr. Hmm. When they traded away Odell Beckham Jr., they lost a guy that could score from anywhere on the field. Uh, Kadarius Tony gives them a guy that has similar traits in terms of uh, stop-start quickness and run-after-catch ability. So they needed that. Aziz Ojalari gives them a pass rusher. It'd be interesting how they utilize him because that's not their typical guy in terms of what they normally go after. This is an old school team that typically has these traits with long arms and all this other stuff. At least he's not necessarily that, and so he's not really a hand in the dirt guy. They have him listed outside linebacker. We'll see. Aaron Robinson is solid on the perimeter, and so when you take their draft picks combined with what they've been able to acquire in free agency. The Giants are an intriguing team. Now, they feel like everything is on Daniel Jones. We'll see how good the quarterback is. I still don't know where he stacks up in the pecking order. But defensively, this was a really good defense last year. I think they'll continue to be a defense that kind of challenges the rest of the rivals. 
I think, yeah, at Bucky and KT did a great job on those guys. I, I think that everybody had some momentum in a draft. And, I, you know, if you look at what the Eagles, I think the Eagles did it throughout the draft where the football team was like the first four picks, the Giants the first three picks. You know, the Cowboys had a little up and down to them. But I, I, I think as a, as a whole, the division uh, it got a little better. Some teams were very talent poor. Obviously, you look at the record. But for the football team to add another defensive piece with Jamin Davis there, and they didn't have a left tackle. We'll see what Cosme can do at left mm-hmm. tackle there because that's a position they haven't they haven't exactly replaced. You know some of the losses they've had. So, uh, but man, I mean, they, the, the, I think the football team adding Jamin Davis is is a is a big a big big play there. And I'll be quickly so we get to another question. But the one team in this division that has a winning quarterback. Is Dak is the Cowboys and Dak Prescott? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Cowboys, the one yeah. thing that jumps out at me about this division is looking around is like the clearly the team with the quarterback is the Cowboys. Mm. There's no excuses for not making the playoffs next year. No, I love that KT. Very well yeah, said. Winning, yeah. Go Bucky. Winning the division should be winning the division should be the standard. Like they should be able to win the division. You have the best quarterback, head and shoulders above the other guys. I would say that the Washington football team, in my mind got worse because with Ryan Fitzpatrick more turnovers are going to happen like I know we love Fitzmagic he is going to turn the ball over Jalen Hurts stepping up his second year first full season as a starter what does that look like and then Daniel Jones has kind of been up and down to me quarterback play typically signals who is going to win the division Dak Prescott is clearly the best quarterback now it's about making sure that the defense gets to the middle of the pack because the offense should be a top five offense yeah, but the football teams used to having quarterbacks. Uh, their defense is used to having players with turnovers. So and, and they still go out there and play. I mean, that's the yeah. one thing about Fitzpatrick. He could throw five interceptions one day, and the next day he's going to throw six touchdowns. Yep. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you kind of ride with. But at least he has a defense that can bail him out when they if they have some of those games where he's not really on par. I completely agree with you guys in your assessment of the NFC East drafts. And, Brian, you talked about how so many of those Philadelphia picks were in your top 190. I mean, out of the seven picks, or excuse me, out of the, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, nine picks. uh, Nine picks. Seven of them were in my top 190, and five were in my top 110. So I'm right there with you. I think Philadelphia had a great draft. It's crazy to think because there's a lot of disappointment. I think around this draft from uh, at least media personnel and, and people that we've worked with. But like you guys said, in terms of executing what you wanted to do for the Cowboys, I would put them as the second best draft. I don't really like New York's. Tony's a really good player. Eichenberg's a really good player. I, outside of that, I wasn't super impressed with the Giants. And then with Washington, sure, they've got a lot of potential there with Jamin Davis and Samuel Cosme and Benjamin St. Juice. But ultimately, there's only two or three of those guys that I think are really top-level draft prospects that get me uh, at least even more so excited about Washington. I don't get excited about Washington, but if I were to, that would be the, the only a couple of players to do so. I'll tell you, Washington, if you want to talk about a late pick, at, at pick 246 at William Bradley King from Baylor, mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting player there. If you talk about guys at high effort, high motor, get after you type of a guy so you never know man some of these guys were not focusing on in the day three you know it could the same thing for the cowboys you know well quentin bohannon could be like a great 
nose tackle for the Cowboys this season, you know, as far as helping those linebackers and, and clocking some things up in the middle. So those day threes, it's we call it the, the day of the scouts. You know, maybe some scouts came through for some of these teams. I love it. Final question for Twitter on the 20 this season, and it comes from a loyal listener, Jake, who first off wanted to say thanks to all of you guys. I'm talking to you three analysts, tagged you guys in it as well. Said second to none. He's he said it's a bittersweet day as the draft show going dark for a couple of months, but football is right around the corner. So he wanted to say thank you. But his question was, how many of the 11 draft picks would you guess make the 53-man roster? KT, you think you have a number on maybe how many of those guys the Cowboys could be employing come this fall? Okay, so you're going to go one in Parsons, two in Joseph. You're going to go three um, Jabril Cox. See how I shuffled it and made Jabril Cox pick 75 <laughs> instead? Um Odiggy Zuwa is in, especially we've seen that they cut uh, Antoine Woods, obviously. Chauncey Golston is in as a rotational uh, defensive lineman, so there's five. And Deshaun Wright, you know, they, keep in mind that practice squad numbers are going to be up. And he might be a he might be a stash guy, and maybe they don't view him that way, I, I, just because I do. Uh, Simi Fajoko, he, he could help him on special teams, but they still have Cedric Wilson. He could be a stash guy. <laughs> On the on the um, on the practice squad, Josh Ball, you know they signed a swing tackle. I don't think he'd really need. I think he could be a stash guy as well. So five. I think Mohana makes the roster. So there's mm. six. I think they find a way to get Mukuamu on the field because of his versatility, the ability to play multiple positions. So it's a big number, but I'm gonna say seven out of the out of the eleven. Brian. I'll tell you the thing about yeah, Fahuko is the one that I'm interested in because that might be the replacement for you know Stephen Jones has kind of got this us all kind of thinking about the salary cap and stuff like that. Cedric Wilson's a two million dollar player. What's Noah mm. Brown going to be on this team? You know, uh, the thing with Simi, he he can play special teams. That's a big body guy. It's a six four, two hundred twenty two pound guy that runs four four three. You know, and I, I, I really loved the pick at the time. I talked to a team uh, yesterday about him. They were pissed off that the Cowboys jumped there up there and got him. They were like positioning themselves to grab him. But I think KT's on to something here. We'll see what happens with Wright. I, th- what's going to be really sad is there's going to be so much focus on him. And this, when we get to Oxnard, it's going to be like every time that he has a one-on-one rep and it doesn't go well, and it's going to yeah. be guys like me standing on the sidelines going, well, you know what, they, yeah. they told us these lone corners, and they told us about windows, and they told us about all this stuff. You know, he's probably going to be the most scrutinized player out there. And everybody will say, whoa, whoa, Broadus, what about Parsons? What about, you know what they're going to do with Parsons? They're going to play to his strengths. They're going to let him rush the passer. That's what they're going to do. They're going to let him come downhill. They're going to let him rush the passer. They'll play to his strengths. They'll play to Cox's strengths as well. That's what they'll do. They'll find a way to put him in coverage. They won't put him around the ball where he has to make a bunch of tackles. You know, that's just kind of, I, I can kind of vision, I have a little vision of what I'm going to see. But the thing with Wright, that's the one that I think the critical eye is always going to be focused on him every single practice. And 
I hope the kid is mentally tough enough to handle it because there's going to be a lot of stories written about him as we go through these training camp uh, and these OTA practices uh, as we get started here pretty soon. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good observation. Brian knows a little bit better than me when it comes to teams. Some teams will not cut their draft picks. And so no. I don't know if the Cowboys are one that kind of hoard their draft picks to give them every opportunity to make the team. But with the expanded rosters on practice squad, I would think that I think eight of the 11 are going to be around in some capacity. I do believe when you listen to Stephen Jones hint around the fact that we would like most of our draft picks to make the team. Uh, from an economical standpoint, it makes sense. You pointed out the receivers that are commanding. It doesn't appear to be big money in the bigger scheme of thing, but for backups, $2 million from Cedric Wilson, that's a lot of money. If you can slide in another uh, cheaper option, a rookie receiver on a rookie contract, you want to do that. Uh, some of the DBs that are, are kind of hanging around, fringe players that haven't necessarily popped, that are veterans, now you replace those guys out with the young players. Um, I think in some capacity, eight of these guys are going to be around. And I'm more optimistic about Nushan Wright uh, being around and on the roster because when you take him in the third round, Man, yeah. it's hard to move mm-hmm. on from third rounds unless he just absolutely yeah, but, hey, flops. Well, I know, but let's let's be honest here too. And I I just wrote down in my notes, you know what's going to happen, uh, it, Bucky. You know this better than anybody. Some of these players need sponsors, and if your sponsors no longer in the building to kind of uh, to, to kind of take yeah. care of things, think yeah. about Tristan Hill. Think about oh, Neville. Ga- yeah. Think about Neville Gallimore. Think about Bradley Anai. Where does Bradley Anai fit in a 3-4 yep. front? Can you make him a stand-up outside linebacker? What about Robinson, the corner, safety? There might yeah. be some kids that they've taken in the last two years that never play a down for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. That we that, that Like meaningful mm-hmm. downs. And we're talking about guys that were taken, you know, third, uh, fourth, fifth round. So... Yeah. If you don't, you know, when you start talking about a roster and how do you get 11 players on, take a few veterans off. And if some of these young kids that we really didn't draft aren't what we think, watch for those kids to move too, man. Yeah. If you don't have a sponsor, I mean, you could yeah, be in some trouble on this roster. I think it's telling Antoine Woods already removed. Like, yeah. so yeah. If, if they can get him, because I thought he played pretty well at times last year when he had a chance to get on the field and do some stuff or whatever. So if they can move on from him, you already are talking about Tristan Hill. Yeah. You're talking about Reggie Robinson being in jeopardy. I mean, you talk about some of these other guys. Like, it could be a full reshuffling of the deck on defense because as Dan Quinn comes in and as he feels empowered to do so, this defense is going to be his defense full of guys that he deems to be his kind of guys. It's unfortunate, but that is what's going to happen. I expect them to be able to move off of some of these prospects from the la- these draft picks from the last few years. I, I don't think it could have been put any better from you guys specifically because I, I think there is a notice on that side of the football that says nobody's job is safe right now. And, and the draft showed that with eight, eight different draft picks that are on the defensive side. You're saying that, hey, nobody's job is safe. Uh, Stephen Jones has said it specifically in, in, in press conferences, wanting to replace some of these players, some of these guys that aren't necessarily cheaper on that side of the football. You're going to see a lot of that. And even with that, there's going to be growth from this draft this draft class as well. Nashawn Wright specifically, KT, I know you said mm-hmm. that he could be a stash guy. 
I don't know if I see him being a stash guy. I could see him being a red shirt almost, being one of those guys they grow into the position, give him an adjustment period to the NFL, almost like what we saw from Reggie Robinson last year, but without the position switch. And I think that might be something we see from Nashawn Wright. I, I think as a top 100 pick, you're expected to play. I think you're expected to make the roster, but at the same time, there's going to be an adjustment process, I think, from him specifically. So there's a lot to look for whenever we get to training camp and OTAs coming up in the next couple of weeks. Let's go ahead and take our second break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up and say goodbye as we wrap up the final episode of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. On the 20. goodness to fuel your greatness. Every blend is crafted to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Smoothie King uses only whole fruits and organic veggies. You'll never find sugary syrups or artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. And unlike some other smoothie places, there are zero grams of added sugar in many of our blends. Smoothie King is proud to be the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. Place your order in the app or online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. There are many ways to say Miller Lite has more taste and only one more calorie than Michelob Ultra. You could say it with your show choir buddies at your high school reunion. Miller Lite has more taste and one more calorie than Michelob Ultra. However you say it, it's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Beer for 12 full ounces. Miller Lite, 96 calories, 3.2 carbs. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 carbs. Taste test performed by Institute for Perception, February 2018. RV shoppers, you're invited to the DFW RV Party. Presented by Funtown RV, May 20th through May 23rd. Live music, free parking, free admission, and hundreds of RVs. Come party with Funtown. Rowdy and the Cowboy Cheerleaders. To crank this party up a notch, we're offering huge discounts on RVs from top brands like Forest River, Heartland, and more. Plus, you'll find amazing door prices like stadium tours, camping grills, and the first thousand kids each day get a free fishing pole. It's all happening. May 20th through May 23rd inside AT&T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys. The DFW RV Party presented by Funtown RV. Visit DFWRVParty.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. The final segment of the final draft show here on DallasCowboys.com presented by Miller Lite. And again, special thanks to all of those who were a part of this past weekend in the 2021 NFL draft coverage, both on the .com side and on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Turner, we've got Bucky Brooks, we got Brian Broaddus, I'm Kyle Yeomans for the final time this season here in episode 47. We asked this question on Tuesday, so Brian, you may not want to answer it again, but uh, Bucky, we'll start with you. What was your favorite pick, and what are you going to remember about the 21 draft whenever you look back at the season that was? Man, uh, first thing, looking back on the the draft and the season it was, I think this was the most volatile draft that we've ever been associated with. I think the lack of think tank, I think Will McClay even talked about like guys not being around. It's probably it's probably the purest draft that we've seen in some times because guys really had to trust the tape. And when you trust the tape, typically you make better decisions than not. And so I'll remember that. In terms of 
my favorite pick. Like, look, to me, I think the Parsons pick is my favorite because this was literally taking the best player available. And I know there was a lot of conversation about need and those things and what do you need? Should you get the corner and that? But I think taking the best defender is going to pay off because coming back in the second round and being able to get Joseph, he's a big-time player. And I think if he can kind of clean up the disciplinary issues on the field, he has a chance to be a really solid player. And I think they'll go two for two with those picks. Yeah, I, I my favorite pick was probably uh, Jabril Cox at 115. I just thought that was extremely good value on day three. And I know that may be you know kind of obvious. I will say this, which covering the whole draft, my favorite pick in the entire draft was pick 85, the Packers getting Amari Rodgers. Um, like, mm. why would your quarterback wow. ever bitch about anything? Like, you have Devontae Adams, and you have, uh, you have like, the Bakhtiari. <laughs> uh, they're spending money around you, and they've given you a lot of money. Like, why would you – you went to two straight championships. I don't understand. <laughs> Like I just, can we have can we have some competitive spirit in this world? Can we say, you know what? I don't care that they took a kid. I'm gonna beat him out. He'll never play here, and I'm gonna be here a long time. Have some competitive spirit. I mean, this is to me, this is Kevin Durant going. Oh, it's never gonna work out in Oklahoma City, so I'll go join the best team in NBA history with the Warriors. <laughs> have some effing competitive spirit in your life. You know, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That, and the draft, to me, though, what it really comes down to, it's amazing to me that a team like the Eagles are like, you know, I don't, I guess we are going to do the Jalen Hurts thing. Like, we're going to actually try this. <laughs> like, I, they had a chance to just take Justin Fields. Like, they could have done that. To me, though, it's just fun to do that. It's fun to interact with all the people. The people on Twitter most of the mm-hmm. time are nice. Uh, the people that send in questions, the Stephen Thomases and the Jakes, and hell, I'll say it, even the Mr. Snappy comebacks mm-hmm. of the world, whatever. They send in questions because they're That's, listening it's to Bruce. The guy's Bruce. It's Thanks Bruce. for watching. It's Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. They listen and they watch each week and 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 they they ask us questions and you know like they they show us a million mock drafts but like <laughs> I I love the the intensity the intensity around the draft never gets old and the action and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it because the draft show to me is a is an institution. Um, it's absolutely that. It is a, it's a, this time of year, people know, hey, the draft show's got to be here right when the season's over. Sometimes if the team is bad even before the season's over. And that's an awesome thing. It's fun to look forward to crap every single year, you know? It's fun to look forward to stuff all the time. I look forward to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> God knows we're looking forward to September and, and basketball happening. So to me, it's all about the action, boss. And uh, I, I just uh, am happy and thrilled to be a part of it. If you would have asked me when I was, you know, you know, whatever age, oh, I'm gonna get to work with Bucky Brooks. I'm gonna get to work with with a Brian Broaddus. I'm older than Kyle, so I can't say you, Kyle. <laughs> but like, like it, it's it, it's incredible, and I'm I'm just, it's happy. I'm I'm happy, and it's a lot of fun, and I love you guys. Appreciate appreciate. That. You know what's so funny? You know what's so funny about what KT just did? Like, I was standing on a practice field in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and maybe Bucky <laughs> was standing on a practice field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. KT's on the fence outside, like, looking through the fence, like, watching his team. And he just went on an epic Packer rant there. And I, I appreciate that, KT. I really, really do. That, I, I, that you, I appreciate it. 
you feel that too. You feel so strongly about the Packers as your team that you know you're gonna you're gonna call your quarterback out. I, I appreciate that about you. He has Show been up. a clown. He has been a clown though. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, Broadus. I know. It, uh, oh, you're I talking know. about it. I like know. he's vi- <laughs> he's violating all of the rules within oh, no, the I building. Know. I'm here. I'm here. I'm hearing. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Yeah. Right. I'm hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, though. And, and to can I just real quick? Yeah. I'll, I'll echo. If you didn't get a chance on Tuesday, I, I I said goodbyes on this stuff too. And you know, and, and I, I always I go all the way back to like the Ed Cahill days, and you know, and and when we were talking about that, so he's kind of like Ed. I remember Ed going, "You think anybody cares about the NFL draft?" And I kind of look at him like. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, you look at Mel Kuyper, it seems pretty popular. You know, maybe he goes, I'm thinking about doing this podcast. Just give us another show. Give us something else to talk about. And and I I, I didn't initially see his vision. I really didn't. I'm like, man, well, you know, we're going to have to do this. And we're going to have to do that in order to make it work. But what's so funny is the more you got into it, the more you wanted to make it work. You know, and then you started adding people again: Dame Brugler, the Bucky Brooks, uh, you know, Kevin Turner, Jeff Cavanaugh, Dave Hellman. I mean, it just became this this thing, and then all of a sudden you got fans. And you know, initially it was thinking about Dallas Cowboy fans. Let's talk mm-hmm. to the Cowboy fans. But then it became like a worldwide thing for fans of all teams, and. You know, that's the thing that I'm really the most proud about when I look at the draft show and the work that we've done. I just look at the fans of the Lions, the Buccaneers, the 49ers, the Giants, people like that that watch our show because they trust what we're saying about these players. And they feel better connected to their own team that way. So, you know, I... I, I say this in real and sincerity. I I thank you guys out there for being a part of this. I thank my teammates for being a part of this. I thank the Jones family for having a lot of faith in us. I thank Derek Eagleton uh, for for keep pushing the envelope on this thing because this is really like like KT's talking about. It's become a little bit of an institution that every year you know you're going to get draft coverage. And just like KT gave his speech about the Packers, you're going to get some passionate speeches on this about players. And I think that better educates folks, and that's what I'm so happy about the draft show and, and that we're able to, to bring it uh, you know, uh, every week you know, up till the draft and then our draft coverage as well. It really is a ton of fun, and, and the fans at, ma- at home make it fun. And I, I completely echo exactly yeah. what you just said, Brian, because uh, looking down and seeing the, the tweets and seeing the comments and, and everybody saying, I've watched since 2013. Oh, I've been, I haven't missed the episode right. since 2018. I mean, all of those out there that just stick through every minute of draft coverage, I mean, we, we call you crazy pretty much at the end of every one of our draft coverages because yeah. if you're listening at 255, pick 255 on day three, you, you You've got a little screw loose, kind of like we do when it comes to the NFL draft. And yeah. we, we definitely resonate with that. So thank you, everybody who has listened, who has made the draft show possible by your views, by your shares, by your comments and your questions all season long. We couldn't have had 47 episodes without you guys out there being such a strong part of it. We couldn't have done it without everybody in the back as well. 
Chris, Aaron, who did hours and hours and hours of work and preparation getting up to the draft and then even afterwards of really just getting everything together and, and providing some really, really good production value. Matt Kent, Doug Branch, Madison, Caden, Alex, Derek Eagleton, like you mentioned, Nick Eatman, everybody who has been a part of this. It has really been a ton of fun and a year that nobody will ever forget. And I said this on Tuesday. I'll say it again today. Let's not start this thing in Jan- or in December again next year. Let's try and get into the offseason first and then start talking <laughs> about some NFL draft. But, Bucky, thanks for being a part of it this year. We got, we got to talk with you last year, and, and it really was different this year, getting you on every week and, and a part of the draft show. You are our Kevin Durant. You're an MVP caliber player who might hop around from time to time. Uh, but that's okay. You are our Kevin that, Durant. Don't tell him that, Kyle. <laughs> Bucky right. He's it. got some competitive spirit, though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's Bucky will Durant compete. Bucky will compete. Yeah. You put that number seven on him, he'll go compete. Yeah. Oh, how about that? Seven. Oh, yeah, I that. love it. No, it was a lot of fun, man. It was, it was really great um, being on with you guys because I will say this. Um, KT didn't get a chance to shout out uh, Jeff and Dane. Mm-hmm. Brian, like I think for me, it is really great to not only have these conversations, but be, to be challenged on your opinions and on your views and to stretch yourself as a scout, I think that's really, really important. And at a time where some people don't like to hear that, I really welcome the debate because I think if you're going to be the best at what it is that we all want to do, I think you have to be able to step outside yourself and see it in other prisms. And I think you guys have given me, what, 40 something episodes <laughs> to be able to kind of challenge my thought Seven. process Seven. 40 something no no because i didn't make them all so 40 Seven. something <laughs> so no i think it's great and i think it's great and i look forward to doing it again and again it was a lot of fun no doubt about it kt great work as always brian it's a pleasure like it is every year Thank bucky you. as fun as it has been uh, we we look to having you again in the future but for everybody i just mentioned a moment ago and these three fantastic analysts we'll see you next year on the dallascowboys.com draft show this has been a production of dallascowboys.com and the dallas cowboys football club how about this cowboys yeah!